back. James Harden right on target. Big, big George Niang to Paul Reed from Tyrese Maxey. What is going on, guys? Welcome back to the Pick Swap Podcast. Uh, no James here today, but you still got me with you. We're going to jump into some more offseason talks, uh, some expectations, some ratings. And before we get right into it, I do want to in- in- introduce a very special guest, Sam Giovanni. Sam, what is going on, my guy? Uh, not much, man. I'm really excited to um, talk pictures with you. Yeah, absolutely. So before we get fully into it, I'll let everybody know what's a little bit of your background. What do you do? What's, uh, what, what do you got going on? So right now I'm an associate editor for Clutch Points covering um, general sports, mostly NFL and NBA on my end. Um, I have experience writing for the Knicks wall as well, covering them for um, the past few years. Um, Very excited uh, again to talk NBA with you. My background is mostly NBA stuff too. Yeah, absolutely. So another uh, awesome basketball mind there, Uh, another member of the Clutch Points family. So excited to have him on and uh, let's get right into it. So to start off with – I feel like it's been a fairly kind of uh, by the books offseason by the Sixers. Like uh, there's all the madness that's always going on in the NBA. It felt like Daryl Moore just kind of had his game plan, stuck to it, stuck to the blueprint, made kind of like the singles hits. The Didn't have to go out of your way, go for the home run, but just made the smart, logical decision. What would you hand the offseason grade as a whole from one to ten? I would say it's probably about an eight or a nine. So definitely a productive offseason for I don't think anyone was expecting an overhaul of any sort. I think the greatest source of anxiety was like what the Harden contract was going to look like. Mm-hmm. But he got a pretty fair deal. I think it was like – I think the NBA investigation into it was a little silly. Like I get that players want to go for all the money they can get, as they should. But like Harden, I think, showed like you know he wants to have a prove-it deal because he'll still be considered a top player for the next few years. And – I forget like the exact financial ramifications, but like him taking a little bit less allowed two of his former Rockets teammates to join. And both of them, I think, I mean, we'll get into that later. I think they'll be pretty solid for the Sixers. Um, but yeah, no overhaul, some very nice moves around the edges. So for me to give it a 10, I would have had to say like they made themselves an instant championship favorite. Um, and I, I think they'll still be one of the favorites, but I don't think they're going to, you know, one of like the top guys. Um in the conference level in the league, but they still upgraded the roster, kept the key guys intact. So I would definitely give this a pretty favorable grade. I don't know where between eight or nine, but somewhere in that range. Perfect. Yeah, I totally agree with all that. And I, I kind of sit in the same range. I think I was going like 7.9-ish is kind of my range of what I'd put with it. Uh, the the one thing that I think I'm, I'm still hoping for, and because uh, the offseason is not over, things could still happen, is some sort of just con- consolidation trade to solve. Obviously, they got the, the 16 uh, guys for 15 roster spots right now. Some sort of like Frick on Korkmaz and Matisse Thibel flip for another like quality role player is something that to me I think would make a ton of sense and something that would uh, uh, put like a nice exclamation point on this offseason. Uh, to get into kind of more of the specific moves here. So the next thing I want to bring up is the the PJ Tucker signing. So kind of what you alluded to there, the it all is possible from James Harden taking that less money, not opting into his uh, player option and and taking a little bit less to have one of his guys there. So uh, how do you feel about P.J. Tucker coming to Philly? Is there any concern with the three-year 33 mil? And obviously his agent comes with it. And what's your overall outlook on that? I think the contract is a little bit too pricey. Like, I'm not, like, too worried about it. Um, but to sign someone so old for multiple years is a bit risky. Um, but in terms of how he fit, like, I remember 
um, I don't remember if it was the post game or like during an exit interview or something, but Embiid said like, we need someone like PJ Tucker. Darren Moore's like, all right, bet. And he just went out and got PJ Tucker. So he's obviously not like the, you know, he's certainly like an ideal three and D guy, not one of like the super top in the league, but he does bring that like mentality that I think will be good for the locker room and good for the Sixers to play with and obviously shoot it, especially from the corner. Um, he's going to be super aggressive on defense. I think he's going to start, and that might make a little bit of an awkward pairing at the forward spots with him and Tobias, who I think are both maximized at the four spot. But mm-hmm. they can both shoot it. I think Tobias is nimble enough, can handle well enough to be a three. Um, I would give that, I would say, an eight, too. It wasn't like a complete home run signing. Like, it's tough given how strapped for cash they are for them to make, like, massive moves. But in terms of what they could do, they bought in a guy that Embiid likes that'll fit right in in the starting lineup replacing Danny Green. Even though it makes it, like, a little bit bigger, it's certainly far from, like, the the two centers, two power forwards thing they had a few years ago. So this was definitely a positive signing for them. And giving him a little bit more money, I don't think it's too worrisome. Like, he might start declining and be a guy that's best off the bench in the next few years, but he's still going to be someone that I think is going to be positive in Philly. So I'm not too worried that it's just for, like, a few years more than I ideally would have something. Yeah, definitely. I'll throw it at 8.5 for my rating for the P.J. Tucker signing. Uh, I think it just makes a lot of sense for so many reasons. Like they've been like a missing a PJ Tucker for so many years. And like you brought up with the, the Joel Embiid comments in his exit interview, it's one of those things like when your superstar says that he wants somebody, you go out and get him. And I think that was a big part of Maury doing that to, to make sure that he has the full trust in Joel. Because I think last season was the first time that Joel started to have maybe some doubts about like, if there is like a, what his future is, because we do keep running into the the second round wall for the Sixers and just struggle to to break that. So I think that plays a, a huge role in it as well. And it's just a perfect fit between Harden and Embiid. It's like it's very rare that you can find like those role players that are such clearly fits. Like he's going to be seamless next to Joel with everything that he brings defensively with the the corner three, obviously. And we talked so much about how much how valuable Danny Green was for the spacing he provided. PJ Tucker is essentially Danny Green who can do a little more. He's got a little floater with him. He can dribble a little bit, uh, can defend uh, more versatile than Danny Green, especially at this age in his career. So there's just a lot that like makes sense and just a, a beautiful bench piece there. So I'm very excited that he actually did it. It took me a little bit to talk myself into it just because like you brought up the age. I definitely think they overpaid for him a little, but they had to. They wouldn't have got him otherwise. So it's, it's what you got to do to add that type of talent. Uh, the next uh, move I want to bring up is the D'Anthony Melton trade. And uh, I will give away, I, this is my favorite move of the offseason. One I think keeps going under the radar. So for Danny Green and the 23rd pick, they flipped the pick that became David Roddy. Uh, they flipped for D'Anthony Melton from the Grizzlies. What were your thoughts when that happened? And uh, and looking forward, what's your outlook on it? I agree with you that it was my favorite move of the offseason. I'm giving this a 10. Like I think that was a very fair price to pay for someone who like is just – perfect for what the Sixers need like I think the only little thing that's not great is that I don't think he can I mean unless Doc wants to do like a three-guard lineup with him Harden and Max I think that would be really interesting but he is I think just six two, so he's probably gonna have to come off the bench given that the Sixers have their two guard spots taken but as far as just a guy adding to the team like he is such a fantastic addition he gets after it on defense and do a little bit of everything on offense I think he's a guy that you can like absolutely close games with I think for if Harden misses any time or if Maxie does, God forbid they don't, but like he's perfect to slide in there as a starting lineup. Um, when Danny Green got injured, it was kind of obvious that they had to use him as a trade chip. Like it's kind of sad, but it is what it is given at his stage in his career, the the injury that he sustained sadly. 
and they found just the perfect guy they could have gotten giving up a first round pick for him. He's still pretty young, still under contract for the next few years. Like this was when I first saw that notification pop, I'm like, Oh, that's a great move. And yeah. my opinion hasn't changed. I'm giving it a perfect 10 because it was a fair price to pay. And the guy they got like can, you know, obviously they're not a rebuilding team anymore, but it's still ideal to have guys who are relatively young and will stay good for the next few years. And I don't even think Melton is like, perfect like prime years yet so this was a fantastic move for them yeah totally agree all around there i'm gonna give it a 10 as well and uh like you brought up with the size thing he is 6'2 but the 6'9 wingspan is something i think can help and he gets after it defensively he's a guy that's not afraid to guard up a little bit i know the the wingspan to me gets overblown sometimes like shake milton's another guy that has brought up how big his wingspan is but like really he's not a guy getting active and making use of that melton is a guy i feel like is that he can guard bigger because of it uh his activity defensively is awesome the athleticism is going to be something that's so just foreign to this roster and gonna be excited to have a, a splash of that in there like he's a guy that will go up and put it on a guy's head which is something the Sixers just haven't really had and, it, and it's awesome and uh like looking at kind of the fit it is going to be interesting how everything shifts together I do think like a, a Milton and M- Milton and Milton backcourt will be kind of fun at times stuff like that there's a lot more just versatility with it and dating looking back at the the Danny Green injury as much as like it was great how awesome Danny Green was for us and how great he was at his role. But it's also a little bit of an indictment on the roster construction of how important he really was to this team. And we saw this uh, two years ago in the Hawks series when he got hurt, how they had no answer. And last year when he got hurt, same thing, that they're just like, there was no replacement. So to be that reliant on a guy at that age is, is really a concern, something I do think that they addressed this offseason. And it's awesome. And uh, Obviously, the the overlooming and biggest bullet point of this offseason we kind of touched on is the James Harden contract. So he ended up settling on the two-year $68.8 million uh, deal. Uh, he ha- he has the opportunity to opt out. I think pretty pretty certainly he will opt out and get a bigger deal after it. But what was your thoughts on Harden kind of going through this process and, and how it all went down and how it turned out? I think it was interesting how long it took, I guess, like the specific. I mean, that was like a really interesting deal. I don't think anyone was like, expecting something like that when it was for when it was first reported so it it does seem like it you know it was a one plus one right so he probably is going to opt out and i think there is some risk to it with the sixers like harden doesn't just represent like the guy you need to be your number two guy to like compete for the championship he also represents what they traded in ben simmons for and i don't think that's like the perfect way to look at a trade but like obviously when they made the Ben Simmons trade, they needed to get something really good in return. And they got, you know, one of like the premier guys in the league. So they don't necessarily have to make it work with him. But the fact that he's only on a one-year deal kind of like, I don't think he has much value if they were to flip him anyway. But this also kind of like diminishes that because he can opt right out. But I would still give this an eight or a nine. I think it's, you know, in terms of like money, I guess it's more fair to what Harden is at this stage of his career. I think that, having to carry the nets for as long as he did. And then I think he had some hamstring injuries that he either carried into or sustained in the playoffs. So maybe part of that was kind of why he didn't look that great. But I think after the full off season, I saw the, the it seems like this is like a yearly thing with James Harden, pictures of him coming out looking super slim. So I'm not sure again, what he'll look like um, the beginning of the season, but I think he is someone who is, really buying into what the Sixers want to do. I think he seems to be having a great partnership with Maxi so far, which is great to see. And Embiid, again, like you alluded to, it's like the star player wanting someone. Embiid seems really happy with him too. So it all, you know, depends on how he'll do on the court. I think he will have a little bit of a bounce back year, but I think it also might be time for them to realize that Maxi is going to be the number two guy. And Harden, like, 
ever since he got to the net, seems like he wants to be more reliant on his playmaking anyway. And I think that's a good thing because he's a great playmaker. Like he did, you know, when he, he went to the Nets with two great scores, he had to do that. And now he's got one of the best scorers in the league, the most dominant big man. Like you kind of have to lean into that. And with Maxi as well, it's a great second option. So I feel like his days is like a top tier scorer probably done, but he can absolutely be like an 18, 20 point, 10 assist kind of guy. And if he's doing that while holding his own on defense, I think he's going to be a great asset for the Sixers. So we'll be interested to see how this plays out in the future. And obviously the deal has more into it than just the one plus one year. But I think this was a really good deal for all parties involved. Yeah, totally agree. It was interesting how it was happening. Like you said, how it took a while. Like it, there was like the consensus around the league. Like the PJ Tucker was coming for thirty-three million, and like the these other signings coming in. And then you're looking at like the cap numbers because we're all speculating like Harden opting in because that seemed kind of the certainty. And we're kind of looking at it like they just mathematically can't make this happen. And then when he elected the the to take the pay cut to make the deal, it all kind of clicked. So uh, obviously there is the, the NBA investigation and whatever there. Uh, who knows what what that's fully about or what that'll come up with. Hopefully nothing. But regardless, I think it's a cool sign from Harden to to have that. And I like it for a lot of reasons. A, because I think it's him like being real with himself, understanding what he is, that he's kind of taken on that, that being a playmaker role and, and adopting that, like you pointed out, because he is just brilliant the way he can play, make the way he can read a game, the way that he can see passes before they happen and, and just how intelligent he is with leading guys to the basket, uh, creating looks. It really is impressive the things that he can do uh, with the ball in his hand in that regard beyond just scoring. And then beyond that, I also think he is still in search of like the, the max or the long-term, whatever his high price thing at the end of this year. Some people are going to look at that as a negative, but for me, I look at that as that means he still thinks he has it in the tank and that he still thinks that he's going to come back this year and prove that he's a better guy than he looked last season. And I kind of believe that. I think James Harden is the guy that we've seen in the past where we know when he's like flipped on and locked in, he looks terrific. And when he he isn't like he clearly doesn't. I think he had the moment last year where when he got traded to the Sixers, he was back bought in, but he couldn't just like flip the switch with his body like he was used to. And he, and he just kind of realized that last year because he is just freshly 33, throwing cakes out the boat and everything about it. So uh, I, now I think with a full offseason, I'm excited to see what that actually brings. And I think it's the right decision to bring him back no matter what. So I'm happy it worked out. Yeah, I think he has sort of a game. Like, I think it was kind of a wake up call, like you said, with um him getting injured, he didn't look as like kind of powerful as he used to be. Like um, he's never, you know, I think the conversations about him is usually that his game, people thought like it would age well because it doesn't rely on like Westbrook like athleticism, but he certainly needs to be as strong as he can be to generate um, separation on the step backs to be able to get into the lane to get his floater off. And I do think the, the full off season and buying into like winning now, like obviously can't speak into what his mindset is. I want to be, I don't want to be too much of a um, like an armchair psychologist, but I do think he's starting to realize like what's best for him, and that as he gets into the twilight of his career, his best um, use is to set up the uh, the younger stars that he has around him. So I'm really excited to, and I feel like he's also like at that stage of his career where he realizes like the championship means the most to his legacy. Like he's going to be a Hall of Famer. He's obviously going to go down as one of the most like fondly remembered players of this era. But I think he might be approaching that age where he realizes, like, it's time to really go for a championship. And again, I don't know if that's his mindset or not, but with the work he seems to be putting in for the Sixers um, and the mentorship he's really starting to show, I think it's fair to assume that at the, at the least. And so 
with that plus playing for it, you know, wanting to get one more deal after the season um, before he really starts to fall off. I think he is in for not like returning to the production he put up in Houston nowhere close, but I think he is going to have a good season. Yeah, no, totally agree with all that. And uh, we'll shift gears a little bit to jump into some expectations for this season. Uh, a little more general, what seed do you think the Sixers will be this year? I think that seeding is kind of tough to project because of injuries and because of like um, strength of schedule and stuff like that. But I would say it's fair to assume they should be top four. Mm-hmm. I think it'll be, unless I'm forgetting someone, then the Celtics, Bucks, and Heat that I think are in kind of, am I forgetting anyone in the top class of the Eastern the Conference? Net, the Nets are always and, the question mark, but however you want to throw it, them in there. It's so tough to, yeah, it's so, I mean, I guess KD's coming back and Simmons, he should be back after having a full off season. But yeah, there are so many questions around that team. It's, they, they certainly have the talent. That's never been the question. It's just about how they use that talent. But anyway, the, the four teams that I mentioned, I think in any order, I can see them being near the top. So I think the Sixers could like, now that they have some really solid depth, um, I think it's not out of the question to consider them being the the top seed again with an improved Harden, with another step from Maxi potentially having you know Melton who will probably be up there in minutes, um, having another you know obviously adding someone like Harden, you kind of need to like readjust. Even though he helped a lot getting you know from the you know Simmons wasn't providing anything and he at least was able to play, but I'm sure there's some chemistry that needs to be built. So I think it's not out of the question for them to be the one seed, but I also think they're at the stage where like they don't care about getting the one seed. Like they're not the up and comers anymore. They're the established playoff team. So I can see them, you know, leaning heavier into, you know, resting certain guys on certain nights. So I think they should be a top four seed um, somewhere within that range of the, the Celtics, Bucks, and Heat. What about you? Yeah, I, I agree with that. I, I personally have them third. I think the, the Bucks and Celtics are both uh, a little bit of a notch ahead of them in terms of just a, a complete team and top-level talent and everything that goes into it. I do buy into the Sixers' logic of just the way they're building and just constructing a complete team rather than we've seen the star hunting, we've seen the just swing for the fences. Just building with the mindset of like getting a connected team, guys that fit together, I think is the right call here and, and the best way to optimize everybody. Uh, I also I think they're over, like you said, the the – caring about seeding like as long as you got a ticket into the playoffs like you got a chance is the way that it should be looked at in my mind and I, I hopefully that's what it is for them and that's how it should we've even seen like them when they super went for the one seed uh obviously the year they lost to the hawks like that backfired there because the whole mindset was like you don't have to play the bucks and the nets like you didn't even get to either one of them so i think it's yeah. a little bit of like a comes off a little cowardly and backfires when you're trying to nitpick your your thing so at the end of the day it's basketball will win out and we'll see like when they get in there, what what exactly happens? So I'm, I won't get too caught up, caught up in that either. But it'll be interesting to see how it shakes out. Uh, I guess another another question I'll throw at you is: Will Joel Embiid win MVP this year? See, this is something that like I, the NBA, I feel like keeps their MVP criteria vague so that we can have these conversations and it's not like straightforward, like on purpose. Can he win? Absolutely. Like, he is clearly on another level, as he's shown these past two years, and he is putting up some incredible production. Um, Will he, though, is another question. Like, you know, voter fatigue, I think, is real, and 
you know, obviously no slant to Jokic, but I don't think the media is going to go for the Nuggets again unless they prove to be like an actual powerhouse top seed. And Beat will certainly be in the conversation. Um, and I think he is should be probably one of the favorites. Like it kind of has to shake out about like starts at the top. Like I can see maybe now that the Celtics have like emerged as like, like a true contender, if Tatum has a great year and puts up production, I feel like the media might lean. Um, more towards him, I think Embiid will certainly be in the conversation again. It's you know you just can't predict the voters, and it would suck for him to you know exit his career without an MVP. Like there are plenty of guys who have been like super close and don't have it on their resume, but you know they played at an MVP level. And for Embiid to be in the the stretch that he's at in right now, for him to not have that hardware, especially because the Sixers' chances of winning a title like Embiid's chances of winning an MVP are much better than the Sixers' odds of winning the title. And I hope that he gets, like, you know, that accolade. He's been super deserving. And I think, uh, you know, it's tough to ask because, like, you never know what the voters will yeah. um, value. There's always about, you know, this, like, like the first year was availability. Availability is the best ability, which is not true. Ability is the best ability. It obviously helps to play, but, like, no one is looking at someone like Mikael Bridges and putting them amongst the best NBA players just because he plays like all the games. Like right. it's absolutely ability and Embiid's obviously up there. And then he plays more games and they still give it to Jokic. So you can never predict what the voters is. Um, he absolutely can win an MVP. He's talented enough. He's on a good team. It, it, it just needs to break you know, things out of his control need to go right. Yeah. It's very frustrating how much the, the goalposts have kind of changed, and especially last season, how he was like regarded as like the consensus favorite for almost the bulk of the season. And to see that kind of slipping away at the finish line as he's continuing to compete for that scoring title, which he got. And you could tell it meant something to him, too. So it did, it was frustrating to me to see like that slip away. And I don't know, like you said, it's it's pretty much impossible to predict because he absolutely will put out the, the type of level for MVP. Uh, it's just whatever the voters are looking for and whatever. I do think that nationally i don't think he's regarded in, in particularly high life i think the the flopping around the free throws all gets portrayed in a, a very negative fashion toward Embiid, which fair or not i just don't think uh guys love that as much as it's not as aesthetically pleasing i think as it is to some guys uh, even though it's ridiculous the things he's capable of doing on the basketball court there's also like the the pessimistic side of me that thinks like those past two years were like his farm resume for it like those were like he had he built the team up. He the team was good. His stats were ridiculous. He was carrying the team without Ben Simmons for the bulk of last year. And there's also like the weird middle ground that like voters seem to look for, where like a team can't be too good or you're ruled out, but like you have to have this yeah. much usage. So it's very just odd and it's frustrating to me what the award has officially become. But I definitely hope he gets one just for the sake of him getting one and having that on his resume. It's a transition. Absolutely. So I was just going to say, like, I, I agree with you completely. Like, he absolutely is deserving. And I feel like some part of him has to realize, like, this is the probably the most um, prestigious accolade he'll win because the championship is so hard to get and out of his control. And even the MVP is too, but, like, at the very least, he knows he can go out there and dominate whatever the defense gives it him, which, like, he can. Like, I'm never one to take him for granted he is like just i feel like i say this a lot like to myself when i'm watching him he is the biggest and most skilled player on the court it's yeah. just such a hilariously unstoppable combination and now that he you know he even got the scoring title last year and it didn't matter but like 
he is certainly asserting himself as one of like the very best players in the game. And it is just so much fun to watch. And like we've been saying, it's stuff out of his control that um, are going to hold him back from the MVP award. But again, like I was saying, some part of him, I think, knows like championship is going to be really hard to get. The team isn't like super built for it. And even then, like you can't control how everyone else plays. But MVP is the thing where he can at least like get the production and he's certainly someone that wants to win. He's not just somebody who wants to go out there and stuff the stat sheet and not win. Like, he absolutely wants to win. But yeah. I do think there has to be some part of him that knows, like, the MVP is going to be, like, the crowning achievement of his career, potentially. And I mm-hmm. think he is – I'm sure he's already super motivated. I don't know how many times, like, he can get snubbed and just be like, oh, whatever. Like, I'm hoping this is the year because, you know, unfortunately he's not going to play like this forever. Like, he can obviously be great for the next few years, but – I don't know. I just hope everything falls its way and he eventually takes on the award because he is absolutely deserving. Yeah, me too. And it's so impressive just the player he's become, the layers he's added year after year. And just thinking about like the guy he came into the league as versus what he is now is so special to watch him develop. I also like last year uh, being up at school and kind of had to just stream and scrap to watch games in whatever ways I could find. So a lot of times I would end up with the like opposing teams announcers and it would always like be surprising to me how like shocked they always were like how good Embiid was versus like the things we kind of become numb to like watching him on a nightly basis so I think that kind of means something too that he isn't like doesn't get the credit nationally that it is crazy the the things that he can do uh to swing it we'll talk a little bit about his co-star here and James Harden says I want to set an over under for you here points per game do you think he's over under 23 and a half this season I'm going to say under. I mean, it depends, like, now that he's at full health, does he want to return to being a, you know, 25 and 8, 25 and 10 guy? Or does he want to, you know, and maybe it's not totally up to him. It's probably up to, you know, Doc and the coaching staff as well. I'm going to say under, but I still think his efficiency could bounce back. He didn't have the greatest, like, shooting splits when he, in his first, like, half season in Philly. So I think he'll be under 23 and a half. Maybe even under 20, but with better shooting splits. Okay. Yeah, I'm going under as well. I do think he'll be above 20, but I think he's going to be more in that like 20 and 12 range if if I had to pick a stat for him. I think he's going to be very much the just key point guard and quarterback of this offense, running everything and and freeing Maxi. And that's the next guy I want to swing into is Tyrese Maxi. We'll kind of pair these. The over-under for him, uh, I have set at 21 points. You think the over-under for that? I am very confident that this is going to be over. I think that the chemistry he has with Harden and the, like, he's another guy just, like, that's such a joy to watch. Like, watching him work off of Harden with the speed he has, like, cutting off the ball, the quick step he has, the confidence he has in his shot. Like, he came around and is now, like, a really good shooter from deep. And I think he's in for a really big year. I think he may be, like, even a fringe all-star candidate. Like as long as the Sixers are near the top of the standings, which they should be. And I don't think, I think the, again, it's up to Harden, it's up to Doc, but I think if they want to remake Harden as sort of um, more of a playmaker than a scorer first, he's going to be feeding Maxi a lot. Like he's going to be finding him on the perimeter. Um, he's going to be finding him cutting back door, beating his guy because he's just so dang fast. I think he's in for a pretty big year. I would guess, I would not be surprised if he's in the, 24 points per game range wow i love that i I also have the over on this and i I agree with all your logic there i think one of the i guess storylines that hasn't gotten enough attention is just how much harden has freed maxi up to just flourish as a scorer because as much as we kind of had him pinned in this box as like a point guard because of his size because he's a little undersized that's not his game is he's not a guy that wants to set people up he's not 
naturally best at it. And he did a decent job filling in when uh, obviously the Ben Simmons hole and things not here, but like at his best and at his most natural on the basketball court is scoring the, the basketball. And, and we're getting to see that at a much higher rate with Harden being able to pick up the playmaking slack and just like, a guy that continues to just endear himself to the city of Philadelphia. He was at the, the Phillies game the other day. He's at the Union game this weekend. So very cool to make him see him making his celebrity rounds. It was at the Rump Classic. Obviously played in that, which was super cool. And one of the things that he's talked about through through all these kind of media realms, whatever you want to call it, the routes that he's taken, but uh, talks about working on his self creation, which to me is super appealing. That if he can become the guy who is like their late shot clock kind of go-to score and the touches that Embiid doesn't get. That's awesome. And I think that trio of Embiid, Harden, Maxi is pretty much like obviously the core of the team and exactly what we're looking for. So I think that all kind of fits together. And to me, I think that's what kind of gives me the hope for this Sixers team moving forward. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. I um I don't remember what exactly it was framed, but I remember there was a report in the offseason that the team was looking to build around those three guys that you mentioned. And for Maxi to be in that, I think, shows, like, the faith that the front office has in him and the coaching staff. Like, you know, he's obviously, like, obviously with the Kevin Durant trade talks, he's obviously, like, the number one, like, name that people go to as, like, what would work in a potential trade because the Sixers don't have any other picks to trade. And obviously any team would be happy to build around Maxi. But the I think the – reason the big another big step is coming is because the front office believes in him knows that James Harden isn't built to be you know the whole offense more or even like a you know a number two guy next to him Embiid and we'll see more about that when the games start but the I think the front office has a ton of faith in Maxi, and I'm super excited to see what he does in year three yeah 100 percent. he's definitely captured the hearts of Philadelphia very quickly and it's been awesome to watch massive fan favorite yes Oh, yeah, for sure. Because he is. He's such a joy personality-wise, play style-wise, yeah. just the way he plays. It is just mm-hmm. awesome. Uh, to swing it to guys a little less under the, the shine, uh, my question to you here is, what bench player do you think will be the most impactful this season? I think it's – so assuming the starting lineup, we know it's going to be Embiid, Tobias, Maxine Harden. I think mm-hmm. it's pretty confident that Tucker slides into the, the last spot. Um, yeah. Melton, maybe if Doc, I think he was, I'm pretty sure he was the head coach of the Clippers when they ran um, Shea, Pat Bev, and Shamit. I think that was their three-guard lineup when they like surprised everyone and made the eighth seed a few years ago. Um, so I don't know if he wants to revert back to that with Melton, like you mentioned with the Wings fan, like he definitely could guard up. But my guess is that Melton comes off the bench as like a high minute six man. So I think it's definitely going to be him, not just because, like, they are going to play him a lot, but because I think he is, like, probably the most dependable guy. Like, I don't know how many other guys on the bench I can depend on to be, like, reliable on both ends of the floor as much as he can. And I know his stats don't pop off the page, but he can really do a little bit of everything. He can shoot. He can handle the ball a little bit. He's a a heads-up passer. And like we've been alluding to, he's a great defender. So I think he is going to emerge. And – he might even be like a six man of the year favorite. Again, a lot of that kind of depends on like how good the team is, but with the impact he can have, I can see him having a slightly bigger role in Philly than he did in Memphis. And I think he is going to emerge as like what he probably might emerge as like maybe even their fourth best guy behind. Yeah. Um, I mean, in beating Max, you're obviously up there and then maybe Tobias or Harden, but I think he's definitely going to emerge as one of like the key guys, and it's just that the fact that they have two guards why he's coming off the bench. So I would definitely go with him. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Melton's my answer, too. And I also definitely agree that I think he's going to 
uh, more nationally show what he can do here in Philly than he got a chance to in Memphis. I, like I think Zaire Williams pretty much kicked him out of the role by his emergence there. And and Memphis is just loaded with kind of that kind of archetype of player, which the Sixers have zero of. Like the guys that yeah. like the Dylan Brooks, the Desmond Baines, the Jaron Jackson, the guys that are very versatile, can play different positions, uh, can guard, do a little bit. Like D'Andy Melton is very cut from that mold. The Sixers are the opposite of that in their roster construction. They've got guys like Furkan Korkmaz, whose job is to just shoot threes or play a little point yeah. guard last year. And Matisse Lavel, job is to just play defense. So it's cool to have a nice, well-rounded guy that can do a little bit of everything, and I, I think he is going to play a major role because of that. Uh, the two guys that I brought up there, Matisse Thibel and Furkan Korkmaz, uh, it's going to kind of lead into my next question. But what's your overall thoughts on them? Do you think either one of them cracked the regular rotation this year? Or do you think Daniel House is the guy that kind of kicks both them out? I can see House being the guy that kicks him out. I think they signed him to a two-year deal, if I'm not mistaken. But regardless, he is like kind of a, a Maury favorite. And he is someone that I think has the potential to be a better two-way player than either one of those guys. I think they'll still find at least minutes in the regular season. Obviously, playoffs is a whole different story. But I don't think – I think he'll emerge as another top guy off the bench. House will. And I can see him like jumping them in the – in the depth chart perhaps, but I don't know what the exact rotations will look like. I think he will probably like stay even with them as like someone to use like situationally off the bench. And obviously that would kind of like knock them down in the, you know, standings for Doc Rivers. So I can see that, but he also, I think spent like, a, we spent time with a few different teams last year and Sixers are kind of like, I don't want to say throwing him a lifeline, but I don't think he is kind of like the like starting like key player caliber guy that he was with the Rockets. So I can see him I can see him being a threat. I don't I don't think I can confidently say he will be just yet to for in terms of minutes. Okay. Yeah, that's fair. Uh and then to lead into my next question. So obviously they got 16 guys for 15 roster spots. Do you think there's a consolation trade coming, maybe a two for one or a three for two? Or do you think that there's some guy cut? And if that's the case, do you have an idea who it would be? My guess is it would be Michael Foster. I think he's on an Exhibit 10 deal, right? Which is kind of just like what got young guys get when you know teams are interested in in them. I, I think a consolation trade would be good for them. Like it would be interesting to have them, you know, have Foster or someone who could bounce back and forth between the G League and whatnot. But I don't think the Sixers are like at that spot where they're gonna like try to get a flyer guy that they can depend on. I can see a consolation trade, maybe. I think House does give them more leeway to trade Furkan and Matisse in a deal. And I um, I forget what angle I wrote this editorial on, but I wrote of like one of the key deals, one of the key things Sixers should do before the season starts is trade Matisse. Like yeah. I, before they have to extend him, which I think the deadline is a few months away. I think it's like the day before the regular season. So I think it makes sense for them to like, you know, either invest in him, see if he can improve or trade him eventually because I mean I, I'm someone who like I was excited when he got drafted and like the promise he's shown but he just hasn't developed he is you know I think slipping down the rotation I think the house signing was, was kind of a key admission that like we need more 3D depth off the bench and Matisse can certainly bring it on defense but we know on offense like his best spot is probably as like um the Bruce Brown role as like a guard playing as a big man. Like he can, he, I feel like he knows how to move and is athletic enough to finish like in the paint. But like, if that's the best you can do and you can't even be a respectable shooter, it's going to be tough to buy minutes. So I think 
a consolidation trade is probably what's best for them, but I think most likely they're just going to waive either Foster or Queen. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it's probably Trevlin Queen would be the most likely if there is a cut, which would break my heart because I love Trevlin Queen, and I, I do think there's a spot for him in the league. Uh, I personally am very pro the uh, consolation trade. I would love packaging Matisse and Furcon for something just because it's two guys who are obviously have one thing that they do. Like, that just doesn't work in the postseason if we're trying to pick, like, a – postseason rotation i don't think either of those guys are good enough to cut it so to me i'm willing to like take a loss on a deal for one player if it's like even if it's a perceived loss in a trade if it's a guy that you think is more playable to me it's a win and especially with matisse i've been very pro trade matisse and like you said when they drafted him like he was a guy i was excited about he obviously has that eye-popping plays makes some impressive defensive just things that are crazy that he pulls out and is able to do but the lack of offense and just the really regression that we've seen on his confidence in his shot. And to me, it's just, I don't ever believe that he can be a positive playoff player. And like, to me, that's the writing on the wall. You got to move on, especially with the contract stuff. I don't think the Sixers can are going to be able to agree to an extension with him. Uh, and they're kind of in the pickle where like, if they extend him now, you then can't trade him for a little while. And also like, if you let the contract wind down, like then he's going to be a free agent at the end of this offseason. I don't think there's any team looking at like when you make a, a trade for a guy on an expiring deal you're kind of looking at him as that's the missing piece to our playoff rotation i don't think there's any team around the nba that's looking at matisse Thibel as that so i i think it's kind of a now or never if you're going to trade him and i, I would like to see it happen for sure yeah and it's obviously not going to be at the same level of the ben simmons thing of like when he will get traded like obviously there was massive anticipation about what was going to happen with simmons but and to a much lesser extent i think with matisse like I think that uncertainty is not going to do him any good. He's already someone who isn't confident pulling it from three. And yeah. now he is probably unsure about where he is, if he's going to be a part of the team moving forward, if they're just looking for a place to like trade him, if they're trying to get like the right package for him. So I think like for his sake, I feel like he's gone at least by the trade deadline, but it's definitely, I think better to like move on from him now and like come into the season with a more like, solidified cast i hope the ben simmons thing wasn't like too outlandish but it is kind of like a situation where like the future is uncertain i feel like that might get into his head and i think that the Sixers would be better off not doing that yeah yeah i agree with that but overall very positive offseason uh something i'm very happy with how things went and like i said earlier i'm happy like with all the nonsense going around trade rumors everything the Sixers just stuck to their blueprint made their plan and now it's time to to see it through so Sam, I appreciate you coming on tonight. Before we get out of here, uh, make sure to give a shout out where everybody can check out your work, follow you and everything. You got your Twitter Twitter there, but give everyone the full spiel. Um, Twitter is pretty much where I'm at right now, running for Clutch Points right now. Um, but yeah, Twitter, um, at Bytandy Giovanni, give me a follow there. And Sean, thank you again for having me, man. It was great talking with you. I appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. One of the best writers in the game right now. So you guys can make sure to check out Sam's work. Uh, appreciate you for coming on and uh, we will talk with you next time.